Ever wonder what it's really like working at a summer camp? Does that camp magic fade when you know what's going on behind the scenes? Or does it stay that magical place forever? Let's dive in and take a look at what it's like being a camp counselor. This is Confessions of a Camp Counselor. Today, we will be hearing from one of my great friends and someone I went to camp with growing up. She's a fierce, strong woman. She did search and rescue throughout high school and is passionate about working in the outdoor industry. Let's hear from Caitlin Cooper. Okay, so let me ask you some questions. Where was your camp located and like what kind of ages? Yeah, I worked at Philmont Scout Ranch in Cimarron, New Mexico. Um, it was, the camp itself was catered to all ages because they had the family center off to the side, but the part that I worked in was specifically for ages 14 to 18 and their respective parent guardians. Okay. Yeah. So what made you choose to go here and work as a, as a counselor guide? Kind of a lot of things fell into place. The major I was working on at the time, uh, recreation and outdoor education required some sort of summer job in the outdoor industry as part of you needed 600 hours of uh, service slash work in that area. And I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do for my first summer. And so I had worked with an advisor at my college and he recommended Philmont as uh, an option because they have a really cool search and rescue program. They have a really cool backpacking program. Uh, and I was like, why, why not? Let's just apply and see what happens. And it worked out. <laughs> so it just kind of fell into my lap. I've never been a Boy Scout. I was never a Girl Scout, not involved in Boy Scouts of America at all until I worked as a guide <laughs> teaching other humans. So yeah, what was that like teaching, teaching people something that you never, you never grew up doing? Yeah, it was it was weird for a couple reasons, be mostly because I was not used to the Boy Scout culture. It's very, there's a lot of like traditions and I don't know if ritual is the right word, but a lot of things that have happened for many, many years that I was not aware of. And even working at the camp, you have to wear a uniform. Any Anytime you're on uh, camp property, um, or in sight of Boy Scouts, you have to be wearing this like really official uniform, which was odd. Um, but also as a woman with Boy Scouts just allowing women and young girls to be a part of the Boy Scouts, it was very, very interesting to try to work with men, especially the dads, and like be in charge. And a lot of them were not a huge fan of having a young girl who was not a Boy Scout or not really like telling them what to do. So that was definitely interesting, but fun to navigate and kind of mess around with that. Yeah. What were some of the like struggles and takeaways from working with, with men and boys as a female in an industry that is not very conducive to having females? Yeah. Biggest struggle I don't know if struggle is the right word, but the biggest challenge, I guess, was 
how my job was set up is I was a backpacking guide. So I would go out into the backcountry with the group of scouts and their parents for three days to prepare them to continue on for another seven to 10 days, depending on how long their trip was. So I was alone in the backcountry, most often with just men and their children, uh, men and their sons. So I was typically the only girl there, which is fine, but you definitely had, especially the younger 14 year olds, 15 year olds, there was a lot of hitting on <laughs> there. There was a lot of attempts at flirting and just some awkward, like, first of all, nothing's going to happen anyways, because I'm your backpacking guide. And also you're 15 and I was 19 at the time. And that's, and your dad is here. Like, so that was weird. Just getting hit on a lot by very young boys. And then a lot of sexist remarks from the parents was typically not all of them. A lot of the parents were amazing and excited to be there and excited to work with me. There were a couple older dads who had come to Philmont for years and years and years who were very set in their ways, I guess is a kind way of putting it. Um, and just some backhanded comments or just this quiet, like under their breath statements or just little things that like resisting. And it was like, we're all here just trying to have a good time. Why, why are we not like working together on this? But 90% of the people at Philmont are wonderful and love to be there and just have that experience. But the select few are challenging, but it made it, it made it more, it made it more of an experience than it would have been if it was just easy. I mean, I had to learn how to navigate dealing with difficult parents and learn how to be confident and stand my ground and stick up for what I'm trying to teach these kids and say, no, you're, you're the parent. You're here to just observe. You're not here to be the parent. Let me do my job. I learned a lot. <laughs> I got a lot of confidence. Obviously we went to camp together as children. So, um, how did your experience as a camper transfer to working as a counselor for like kids? Like how, how, what did you take from your, your camp experience into working with kids? I, at least for myself, even though I was excited to go to camp as a kid, there was always that like underlying nervousness or like anxiety, I guess, in a way, because you're away from home not more often than not your specific parent or guardian is not there with you. So some other kid's parent is there or even your there's no parents potentially. But so just understanding that yes, these kids are excited, but they're also probably more terrified than they're letting on. And Philmont is a pretty intense summer camp. It's not like let's go play games by a campfire, sing some songs, let's go run around the field for a couple hours. Like it's a 12 to 14 day backpacking trip. There's mountains they have to climb. There's potential of bears they have to navigate. They have to figure out how to like use a map and compass and find the trail. Like it's intense. It's stressful. And these kids, especially the younger ones, are kind of thrown out there. And so we understanding that like, oh, I, I get where you're coming from. Like you're nervous and working with that and like letting them know that that's okay and that they can talk about it instead of just saying, everybody's happy. Don't think about it. Don't think about home. Like, let's all just be happy. And I think being a camper myself, 
I was able to have more fun as a counselor because I knew the little things that I always enjoyed that my my counselors did. So I often ended up like whenever we took a break on a trail, just like running up and down the lines and like just being a complete weirdo and like having fun and laughing and like giving out candy to the kids. And everyone was like, who, what is she doing? Like, she's insane. And it's like, no, this is the best part. Like, this is great. So just going, like letting loose, like understanding that it's okay to let loose as a counselor and kids actually enjoy that. (laughs) Was there a counselor um, that really influenced you growing up that you kind of took things from? Yeah, a couple. I, I'm going to blank on her name because it's been (laughs) so long. Uh, Back in eighth grade at Flathead, uh, my my camp counselor, I think her name was Maddie, was awesome. And she and the girls in my grade who I was really close with, we were all in the same uh, cabin together. So we were, we were doing great. We all had each other as friends, but then there was a couple other girls who were not part of our church who like obviously didn't know us. And me, Marin and Kirsten and Jasmine are all like insane and like this close knit group. And so these poor other girls are just sitting there like, what? I want to be a part of this. And Maddie, I, she just did an amazing job bringing us all together. We, we had so much fun. And especially during eighth grade when girls can definitely be not the nicest. Um, we're all kind of in that competitive stage of life where we're all interested in boys and who's the prettiest. And she did a really good job at like bringing us all together and not having us like fight (laughs) as girls often do. (laughs) What do you do when you don't have campers? Like when you have some free time? A lot of time depending, it was depending on who else didn't have campers um, because someone needed to have a car to like leave property um most of the time we would just go into the the closest town which was Cimarron and go get a milkshake um Cimarron and Philmont itself are in a really really small part of New Mexico so there's not much to do in ways of like not getting out of camp life um there's a couple cities that were within an hour of us so if we had some free time we would probably go to like Taos, New Mexico and go see a movie or go shopping. A couple of times me and my friends drove about five hours into Colorado and we climbed some 14ers when we had like multiple days off in a row. So that was really cool. That was, yeah, that was probably the coolest experience was just climbing 14ers or 14,000 foot peaks. But we also got a tattoo. All of us did like a collective. We drove into Colorado and my core group of camp counselor friends, we all got matching tattoos spontaneously, which is not something I normally do at all. But I was like, what, what the heck? Let's, let's do it. Let's go for it. So it's the most reckless thing I've done. (laughs) When you think of camp, like of the camp you worked at, like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Ooh, probably friendship. I mean, just the Philmont itself has over 1100 staff members, which is a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. It's because they have wow. in base work that people need to do backcountry work that people are doing the Rangers, which was my job going in between all of that. Um, so there's a lot of people and me, me not knowing anyone, like I had zero expectations as to what was going to happen when I got there. I knew no one who was working there. I didn't know what was going on. Um, 
but it was so incredibly easy to make friends. And a lot of times you would get thrown on an assignment and then because Philmont is so big, you'd have to backpack or hike back to base camp after the end of your assignment. And they always advise that you didn't hike alone because mountain lions and other potential dangers in the in the woods. But it was so incredibly easy just to walk up to someone and be like, hey, are you also hiking into base? Let's let's hike together. And then instant connection, like so easy to make friends, which is great because I'm horrible at making friends. I'm so awkward. It's a community and it was so fun to just get to meet a whole bunch of different people who all understand exactly what's going on and like get what being a boy scout is and like shared experience so yeah so how have how has that summer like shaped your life going like moving forward i think a lot of it uh i confidence or just like self-esteem just like i'm more sure of myself and like my capabilities like i can handle taking care of a bunch of 14 year old boys and I can handle leading a backpacking trip. Um, and that job actually led to me, uh, applying for another job at my college, um, that was running my school's outdoor orientation program, which I never would have done, um, before working at Philmont because like, I'm not qualified to do that. Why would you put me in charge of a program? But working at Philmont was just kind of like, yes, I, yes, I can. I can run a program. I know what I'm doing. So just confidence. It's led to some amazing opportunities. There's kind of a, a cheesy saying at Philmont where it's like, once you've been to Philmont, like once a Philmont camp or always kind of that kind of a saying, but it's the, the community outside of Philmont is crazy and you can like walking through an airport with like a Philmont sweatshirt on so many people will come up to you and go oh my gosh I went to Philmont as a kid I loved it like it's amazing you also went like instant connections all over the place because so many people have been to Philmont like for example uh, each last summer the summer I worked there or two summers ago now I guess uh, they had 25,000 campers and their parents come through the camp in the entire summer. So that every year for however long Philmont's been open, a lot of people have gone through Philmont. So there's some amazing connections out there, which is also great for whatever job (laughs) I want to get into. I can just say, hey, I worked at Philmont and chances are someone else was also there. (laughs) 25,000 people is a lot. (laughs) Um, Okay. So tell me about like what the training for this position looks like. Yeah, it was actually, for the most part, relatively easy. Um, I I think we showed up, we we were called in two weeks early before the opening of the summer. Um, And the first couple of days we did base camp training. So that's, that's for, uh, that's the day that the, the crew or the group comes into camp and you take them to all the places they need to go. So they pick up their food for the backpacking trip. They get med checks to make sure that they're safe to go out on the backpacking trips. You have to make sure that they know where they're going, like tent-wise for the evening because they stay in base camp the first day. You do a pack check. So you have to you make them take everything out of their backpack, put everything back in, make sure that they have everything. Those were always my least favorite part because they took so long because – everyone had like 12 days worth of gear. 
Um, so we trained on how to do that, what to look for, the orientation of the camp base camp itself and like where everything was. And then we did a week long backpacking trip ourselves in our little like training groups. Um, and on that backpacking trip, we got used to how to set up a camp. Um, so we could then teach this, uh, the groups how to set up a camp that so that it's, um, bear safe and fire safe. Um, cause there's like that, like triangle of safety that like your food has to be so far away from your tent, which has to be so far away from your fire. So learning that, um, bear safety, how to hang bear bags. I hated that part cause you had to chuck a piece of rope over the, the stupid wire. I oh. get it. It's for safety, but I, after I learned how to do it, I always made my camp, like, I made my group do it because I, I was always convinced that I wasn't going to be able to chuck it over. Smart. That's so, the same. Not, not yeah. bear hangs. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at and bear hangs yep. is something I'm not good at. Not it. And so I would always just like use their egos against them and be like, oh, you think you can? Okay, go ahead. Try. Try and throw the rope over. And it worked and I never had to do it. So that worked. Um, but yeah, we did a week of like learning what things we needed to teach them for, uh, leave no trace, how to read the signs, how to go to the bathroom in the woods. That's, that's always a fun one. Um, it's amazing how many, especially Boy Scouts, like this was an, an assumption that I probably shouldn't have had, but I was surprised at how many Boy Scouts did not know how to properly go to the bathroom in the woods. That's so cool. that was a fun experience to have to teach over and over because you'd think they go on enough backpacking trips that they at least have a general idea of what they're doing. But no, <laughs> but no, uh, I had a, I had one group of girls who I guess this was their first backpacking trip because it was their first year as a Boy Scout group um, or scouting group at that point. And none of them knew how to go to the bathroom in the woods discreetly as a woman and so I was like oh I got you don't even worry about it like let's have a powwow let's talk about it yeah. but ooh. <laughs> yeah so but yeah and then we got back from our training week and pretty much immediately after that we started getting group assignments and if you're not there's always more rangers than there were crews per day and so if you weren't assigned a crew or on in the middle of the woods you were just doing work around base camp which always just was ridiculously boring but something to do you know so that was pretty much all of our training <laughs> so obviously you did search and rescue how many years did you did do search and rescue oof um i've technically been a part of search and rescue since 2014 but i was only officially active through 2018 before I left for college, but I've been a part of the organization for six years now. Awesome. So how did that play a role in how you were a camp counselor? Yeah. So, well, it, it definitely helped in the hiring process because I was able to leverage the, I know how to do emergency medicine in the woods, which is a huge part of it, especially when you're alone with a bunch of kids and their parents who don't know what they're doing and something happens. So that was helpful. Um, and then also as Philmont, it's a big enough organization or it's a big enough property that their search and rescue team has to be 
massive. And so they typically will just pull from other groups who, depending on who's closer to the actual scenario. Um, and so there were a couple times, I unfortunately never got to actually go on a rescue mission due to me being involved in something else or other circumstances coming up. But there were a couple of times where something would happen, a kid would fall and break their leg or something would happen and they'd need to call a search and rescue. So they'd pull anyone who was available and say, we're driving you out. You need to go in and get them. Yeah. So it's, it's their own complete unit. They don't typically pull from New Mexico. Like it's all internal, but I unfortunately, I I say unfortunately, it's good that there weren't enough (laughs) missions for me to need to go on. But the ones that did happen, I unfortunately was not available to help on, but it was cool. And it also helped with like training the other, the, the crews because I could bring in this like additional knowledge of uh, rigging and knots and emergency medicine and like have a deeper conversation with the students or the, the crew. So it helped, but unfortunately I didn't get to use my skills. That's a, I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. Y- yes, it's good <laughs> that there weren't enough students or there weren't enough kids who were injured to need my help, but I'm bummed that I didn't get to help on the ones there who go. did need Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're okay. not hoping for anyone to get yeah. injured. Absolutely. Of course okay. not. <laughs> so earlier you mentioned how you could be really weird and stuff around your your groups. Tell me about like what's the weirdest thing you did around <laughs> your camper? Ooh. Well, I did a lot of like dancing up and down the trail, which was really funny, especially when it had been like a seven, eight mile day and the kids were done. Like they were not happy. They were not into it anymore. They wanted to go to bed. And then there's just me skipping up and down the trail, like dancing along, singing a song. And they were all just like over it, which is really funny. But it's part of that like positive mental attitude. Like we have to keep walking. So we might as well have fun with it while we do. So that was part of it. Other crazy things. I hate farm animals and part of Philmont, you can go see some like living history museums. Um, So you can go to an an active homestead um, on the ranch and like learn about what life was like in the 1500s or the 1400s or whatever. And it's an active ranch with like donkeys and chickens and goats. And like, you can learn about that as a, as a scout. Um, And so I was with them on this like ranch thing and one of my coworkers was like, oh, have you ever hypnotized a chicken? And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm a city slicker. I don't know what that means. Like, I don't mess with farm animals. And so I got my whole crew to, like, come watch this, this dude hypnotize a chicken. And as, as I'm, like, freaking out because I hate – I don't like chickens. Um, so they were all laughing at me because I'm like – of scared of the chicken so that didn't go over well they they definitely used that against me I don't know if that's necessarily a weird thing I've done but it was unfortunate that that occurred in front of my crew because I don't like chickens but it was a cool experience for them but most of the time it was just running up and down I did learn the entire um 
Jake Paul rap that he his Disney one. Um, the it's a he he did a YouTube song back in like 2016 uh, when kids were like obsessed. I don't know if they're still obsessed with Jake Paul, but my crew was mostly 14 year olds that trip, and they were obsessed. And so they were singing this song constantly. And so I was like, might as well just learn it and sing it with them. And so I'm like singing this song as we're walking down the trail and we're passing other crews and the other coworkers who are also adults are looking at me like, what, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, why are you? No. (laughs) So that was embarrassed. That was, I'm ashamed of that one. But they loved it. They had fun. So oh, I unfortunately God. know too much of the Jake Paul everyday bro song. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. So um, <laughs> what is, what was your like most difficult group of Boy Scouts or Scouts? And if you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently, if anything? Two come to mind, but for very different reasons. The first was the kids or it was an older group of scouts so they were all 16 to 18 which is already more difficult because they were closer i was 19 at the time so trying to tell 18 year olds what to do as a 19 year old doesn't go over very well your authority level is already reduced but these these kids were doing okay it, but one of their dads was just fighting me on every single thing I said. And so anytime I did something, he would say, that's not how we did it last time. Well, it was different last time. Why aren't you doing it like last time? And I was like, like, okay, like that was annoying. Um, And just this constant like undermining. And if I told the scouts to do something, he'd say, we're going to go over here and do it. We're doing it my way. And at the end, it was just like, I'm not going to fight you anymore. Like, so I, part of me wishes that I had stood my ground a little bit more and was like, I had like pulled him aside. I wish I had pulled him aside early on and just said, look, I get that you've done this before. You're an expert on this, but like, please let me do my job. Please. Like I'm here to support you. That's the whole point of me being here is to make sure that you guys are good to go. And I can go back and report to my boss that you guys are going to be safe in the backcountry on your own. Like, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help you. So please stop fighting me. And I didn't do that. And it was just, I kept my mouth shut and just kind of let him steamroll everything I did. Um, which is frustrating. Um, but I was also, that was my second assignment of the entire summer. So I was really not confident in my abilities I was not like set in like I wasn't like sure of myself or I hadn't gotten into the routine and the rhythm so I wish I had had him later in the summer when I was like no I'm not gonna let you bully me into doing what you want me to do but that one was difficult and then the other one I can think of is was a a kid uh He was probably 15 or uh, maybe 16. And he, from the minute he got there, did not want to be there. He didn't want to be on the backpacking trip. He didn't want to be there with his brother. Um, And the rest of the crew was great. They loved it. They were excited. He was the oldest of the like eight of them. And he was mean. (laughs) He was just not good. 
um, just constantly not wanting to help out with setup, not wanting to help out with dinner. And it was just one of those, the way I handled it probably wasn't the best, but I, I guess I just kind of constantly was like giving him attitude and was like, at one point I had cooked dinner for everyone and was like going to serve people. And he had made some comment at the beginning where like he wasn't going to help with kitchen setup or whatever it was. And I was like, okay, so you're eating last. I'm not serving you. You can serve yourself. You're eating last, which maybe wasn't the best response. Cause I was like kind of giving it right back to him. But at that point I was like, I'm not going to be nice to you. Like you just have a rotten attitude for no reason. Your brother and his friends are having a grand old time cut the attitude. And he was like, well, what if I just pretend to have an injury so I can go home? I was like, what, like, what are you, what? So I kind of was just really snarky and not the nicest guide to him. And I wish I had done that differently. And like, again, pulled him aside and just said, what, like, what, try to have fun. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, maybe you don't enjoy every single situation. Maybe you don't enjoy all the activities, but you're here at Philmont and it's a really hard program to get into because only so many people can show up per year. Like, enjoy it. But I kind of just gave up and was mean to him back. <laughs> How does your camp encourage like environmental su- sustainability? I know you mentioned like leave no trace um, and like minimalist camping, but like how else do they um, support some of that sustainability practices? Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest things they do um, is at least in base because they're creating a lot of waste um, in base because they're trying to support 500 to a thousand people per day um, with like food and tenting facilities. Um, They really try to do a good job of like separating like compost from recyclables, from uh, weight, like actual like landfill waste. Um, And it's, it's super expensive um, to, cause we don't have a recycling facility near Cimarron because it's such a tiny town. So they have to truck all of this stuff out. Um, so they're, they really try to a portion of the funds that like we have a, a like gift shop souvenir shop. And so like a portion of the proceeds from that went to supporting the recycling. So not everything just got dumped. They had a huge compost movement. So they were trying to compost as much as they could. Um, students or crew members were encouraged to eat as much at all of the food on their plate kind of a thing. Like don't waste. If you're not going to eat it, don't, don't pick it up. Like why are we wasting food? So trying to encourage students to do that. And yeah. And then just making sure on the trails and stuff, there wasn't a ton of like you pack in what you, or you pack out what you pack in. We're not going to leave a bunch of trash everywhere. Leave the campsites better than you found them. Um, we off, we would do trash sweeps. So before we left a campsite every morning, you'd stand in the, the classic, like the line and you'd walk forward sweeping for trash. And then you'd go the opposite direction. So like X axis and then Y axis, that kind of a thing to like sweep the ground for trash. Yeah. So it's a lot of just like keeping the forest clean and respecting. The other thing they did for environment was how they had their like bathroom setups. Um, you weren't allowed to like go to the bathroom on uh, trees. 
So like boulders and compact dirt were like the only options because the salt in urine like attracts deer and bear. And if you go to the bathroom on a tree, they'll start eating the trees and like destroying the forest that way. So in general, it's better not to go to the bathroom on a tree. So that classic like, oh, go pee on a tree. Not good for the forest because the deer and the bear and the they're they'll start eating the tree to get at the salt. So oh. things like that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, the more you know. <laughs> I can tell you lots about going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of spending your summer at camp versus like an internship or a job? Mm-hmm. You know, like a traditional job, I should say. Yeah. Uh, biggest benefit is it's such a unique experience where you get to be an adult and have a job and this goes on your resume, but you also still in a way get to be a kid and just have fun. Like you have responsibilities, you have a job to do, of course, but it's so much better than sitting behind a desk for a potential internship or being stuck inside. Um, doing office tasks like as a secretary like you get to play in the backcountry and just have fun and like really be a kid or just be on like having fun so that's one of the biggest benefits depending on I can't speak for all (laughs) summer camps but it seems that like one of the biggest drawbacks is the salary at least at the two camps that I've looked at and the one I've worked at um the salary is not great Um, It's definitely, you're not going to camp to make money. That's, that should not be the reason you're working at a camp because you're never going to make money working at a camp. So that would be a, that's the one downside. Whereas like, granted, if you're in an internship, most of the time you're not making any money. You could make a lot more money staying at home and working at a fast food restaurant or working for DoorDash, like, but you're not doing it for the money. So I I definitely think at least one summer, especially in college, do it for one summer, experience it because it's, you, you can't explain it really. It's just such a unique, wild experience. (laughs) How was it going from like camp life where you're working every day outside, you're peeing in the woods, you're eating food off of a stove and you're with new people every day back to like your normal college life? Ooh, it's definitely an adjustment. There was definitely a, a, a depression almost afterwards, like the first month after camp where I was transitioning back into college and real life where I was just, the only thing I could think about was, I want to go back to Philmont. I don't want to be here. I want to go back. I, I don't want to deal with real life stuff. And so there's this real like sadness of just like this missing, not home, but like missing camp. And so it's this weird adjustment to like, no, you have to like actually go back to school and have responsibilities and finish real life. Um, So it's definitely an adjustment, but, and there was definitely for a time where I was like, committed i was i am going back next summer it's gonna happen we'll do anything to make it happen and then life got in the way and it didn't happen but the the intention was there i definitely wanted to go back it just 
but yeah, it's, it's hard to adjust back to real life for a, a little bit. And then, and then you kind of get used to it. And then maybe like six months later, you're like, Oh, <laughs> I miss, I miss that. Like, I want to go back. And it's this, you make it up to like normal life and then you crash again. So what are some of the life lessons that you've learned from being like working at a place like Philmont? Probably things like perseverance and mental mental stamina, I guess, would be some good ones because as a backpacking guide, you're backpacking 90% of the time. And a lot of it is seven to 12 miles a day, depending on their itinerary and where they need to get from point A to point B each day. And so it's, it, they're long days and you're going at the speed of their slowest hiker, um, which is great for like longevity. Cause you're not like pushing yourself and completely blowing, like completely killing yourself. But the mental pain of like going so slow and waiting, but also having to still be this positive person because you're the person that they're looking to when they're exhausted and they're tired and they're mentally done and they look to you. And if you're just like completely defeated as well, you're never going to get to where you need to go. So you still need to like muster up this, like, no guys, we're going to make it. We're going to be fine. We've got this. Let's keep going. And so just this mental, (laughs) this mental strength of we're going to get there when we get there. So like, let's just enjoy it. Let's have fun. Let's look at the trees. Let's take our time. Like, yeah, I definitely, the first couple trips I had, I was very frustrated at how long it took us to get where we needed to go. But I also, towards the end, began to understand that, like, you can't get them to go faster because either they're physically incapable of it, their legs aren't strong enough, they're not used to the altitude, or that's not the point of it. The point isn't to get, see how fast you can go 12 miles. The point is to enjoy this wonderful backcountry we're in. Look at all the sites, try and find some wildlife. Like it's about the journey. <laughs> as as that sounds, like it it definitely helped with some later crews where we had a kid who it took them because of this kid, it took them 6 hours to go 2 miles, which is very very slow. Um and this this poor kid was struggling so much to the point where the rest, I thought they were going to commit mutiny. Like the rest of his crew was pissed. And to the point where I was like, we need to like take a second, like we're going to sit down. And I ended up carrying his backpack as well as mine because it got to the point where it was unsafe for him to be carrying that pack. Like he was going to pass out. But if I had gotten that at the beginning of the the summer, I would have handled that situation very differently and probably not in the way it needed to be handled. But yeah, his, his friends were very frustrated at the situation. And so me being able to like bring some positivity into it and just say, Hey guys, let's take a second. Let's take a long lunch. Let's relax for a minute. Just give ourselves a break. So how do you go about handling tough situations? Like what's your methodology? Like, how do you think about it? I don't remember the name of the exercise that we did, but there was like a leadership style um, exercise we had to do when we like learning about how we interacted with humans. Um, and That's so, like, what I was some of the, yes, 
some of the options were like driver, um, spontaneous motivator, architect analyst or whatever. And then the one I was, which is relationship master. So that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, I personally think it's the best one, but I, especially with conflict, I, I really don't do well with confrontation. Um, and so I really try to just like, we're going to sit down and talk. We're not going to like, we're just going to talk. And if that needs to be separate or like peer mediated, we're going to talk together. We'll do that. But I'm always trying to make sure that like everybody's voice feels heard as well to try and again, avoid the conflict in the first place. I try to be super aware of like who's stepping up as the leader in the group, who is constantly getting pushed to the side, who feels like they're constantly being interrupted. And then I will try to like bring them into the conversation and say, Hey, so-and-so, what, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts on this? Hey, do you have anything to contribute? And then like bring everybody in and just try and keep the peace. I like to, I'm a peacemaker. I like to just we're all going to remain calm. I'm probably really annoying in that way. Cause I'm more of like, okay, everybody, let's just be friends. Let's all just make up and hug. But <laughs> I think that's a, a good approach to just trying to resolve conflicts. Cause it's, I feel like words always work better than yelling when nobody's listening to each other and you're just kind of screaming at each other and no one's registering what's happening. <laughs> awesome. So I have like Two more questions and then we can. Yeah. Um, and this one looks, you have anything else to say? Um, so if someone was considering being a counselor or working at Philmont or being a ranger, or just working out in the outdoor industry at all, like what would you tell them? Oh, a hundred percent do it. A hundred percent. Even if it's not your end goal in life, like if you don't, even if you don't want to be a backpacking guide or work in the outdoors in your end vision of what life looks like. It's such an amazing opportunity and you learn so much, not only about yourself, but how to relate to other people, how to work with other people who may or may not be. What is something that most people would not know about working in the outdoor industry? There's a lot more logistics when you're in charge that you have to think about. There's a lot more pieces in your head that you're like, it's a bunch of cards that you're constantly shuffling through to like pay attention to things. Then when you're, um, what's it called? When you're just kind of there or like you're a participant or you're just on the trip, you're not, you're not thinking about all of the different logistics. Um, so there's a lot more thoughts that go into it and there's a lot more, planning behind the scenes but once you get used to that like extra the extra thoughts that you have to think about it's you can have just as much fun you can have you can still relax take a step back and like enjoy the moments while also being aware of your surroundings and the planning and who's potentially going to be injured if they're not paying attention who's yeah so there's a lot more logistics than I realized go into it but it doesn't take away from the enjoyment it actually makes it more enjoyable in my opinion because you're you get to pay attention and be more involved in everything so is there anything else you'd like to add or anything you'd like to tell anyone uh if you get the chance go look at pictures of Philmont and the Tooth of Time which is our main mountain it's an igneous intrusion of daysight porphyry. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we had to say that a whole bunch of times. No, but go look at pictures of Philmont because it's amazing. Like the landscape is, oh my God, it's glorious. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. I'm really glad. I got yeah, to- thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Camp Counselor. Tune in next time to hear some more insights of what it's like.